doing call recording. And then I will do start recording here too. Okay. Wampa Wampa! Oh, uh, hey, uh, <laughs> welcome to KiveCast 112. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're going to be, if we sound a little bit funny, we've been setting up a video system here. And, uh, system. System. Yeah, <laughs> system. We don't actually know what's recording and what's not. Hopefully the video's recording. Hopefully the audio's recording. Um, but the thing is, we're going to be doing our season two recap of uh, of the... Uh, Mandalorian season two and how does it relate to vintage collecting and so what we're just going to do is we're just going to do that so we're not going to pay any attention to the video I'm actually going to take the video off Steve wants to show no Steve you want to show something now so you can show something now which will just briefly show and I'll explain to the people who are just listening it's it's a it's a Yoda doll it is so this is this is Eleanor's first birthday present so yeah, yes. it's it's kind of for me too, but yeah. You know. So it's a it's a little Grogu doll, and if you're watching me on the video, you see a couple uh, Star Wars things in the back. But that's not why we're here, Steve. So I'm gonna I'm gonna no. stop looking at us, stop looking at you, stop looking at me and my bad COVID haircut. Hey, you get what you pay for, and it was a free. That's haircut. right. <laughs> so basically, this is the thing. Ever since Episode Seven, we've decided that we would do a kind of summary of the impact of the vintage on the vintage uh, collecting line from the new Star Wars movies and now TV shows. Uh, and we call them the winners and losers. And it's it's not exactly a what do we think of the show, Steve, right? Not exactly, but we, we kind of figure out how to weave that in as we go. <laughs> right. But it's, it's really more pinpointed on the idea that there exists a certain amount of vintage collectibles and how do these things change them or make them better or worse or more or less popular. So, we're going to get to that. Um, before we do, Steve, I think we need to talk about the great prank that you played on show favorite Ron R.A. Ron Ron Salvatore. Do you want to tell the origin of this prank, Steve? I think that's about all I can tell is the origin. I don't know yes. how it ended. So Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, that was last month. I think it was actually, it was right after the Ahsoka episode had aired on The Mandalorian. Yes. Um, Ron and I were texting about uh, just troubleshooting something for the blog and i got this rant it was just a normal conversation and then i got this message from ron that read i guess feloni sans lore is just too powerful for you and i'm like <laughs> um I, I immediately realized that a that message was not intended for me <laughs> right and b the fact that someone was complaining to ron of all people about the mandalorian i just thought that was really really funny um, right. So, in, ca in case you're new to the show, Ron Salvatore is our most frequent guest. Uh, he is one of the inspirations behind the show. One of the best, like, the, but the highest level thought about toy collectibles and the process of making them and the meaning of collecting them. And he's a great. He accrues knowledge and shares it. He does everything. But one thing he doesn't do is give a flying flip about anything new Star Wars. And this goes back to probably around 2002. He must have given up on Star Wars I, with episode yeah, two. I, I, I think so, yeah. He, he's not even the kind of guy who's so cool that he has to, like, not like it. You know? No, like he, he, no. He's just sort of indifferent. Uh, so he doesn't, you know, he wouldn't have an opinion about Ryan Johnson as an example. So, <laughs> so when I heard this from Steve, I thought, how funny would it be if people just randomly... <laughs> sent Ron questions about Mandalorian and he's a funny enough guy that I just assumed he would have some funny answers so just to just to kind of set things up we'll kind of every once in a while we'll break in with a couple of these Ron moments okay uh, we're, we're not yeah. I'm not going to be doing even the intro to the show I'm not even going to have the opening song I'm just going to just dump it I think just right on okay um, so there won't be any sound effects but it's something like you know let's ask Ron okay so here's the first question. This came from me. Uh, what did Cobb Vanth do during the Clone Wars? And, and his answer was, whatever it was, it was pretty lame. So uh, now let's move on. And let's move on to the top 10 uh, winners and losers for Mandalorian Season 2. We already did Mandalorian Season 1. That was a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was like, it was in a blog log about Baby Yoda. 
right? That was, yes. I think that's when we did that. Yeah. Yep. But but now we're just going to do a top ten, and the way we tend to do these things is I have a whole list, I have a whole kind of overarching thought of how we're going to do it, and then Steve interjects his thoughts, and eventually they all get covered. So we have some thoughts, and, and we're just going to just get started, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah, let's, okay. let's get to the list. <laughs> now, just to wet your whistle a little bit, uh, the, the each way, why did I say that like such a radio guy, Steve? <laughs> you're, you're on TV right now, come on. That's why. You thought, you thought radio voice guy was bad, video <laughs> voice guy is bad. Um, so it's, I, I've broken them down, so they're going to go 10 to 1, but they all ended up being grouped. Okay. So, like, number 10 is droids, and there's going to be a winner droid and a loser droid, and down. Okay. So there's going to be droids, bartenders, fish aliens, ships, <laughs> imperial grunts, ugly-ass aliens, cool guys, ugly aliens, vintage Mandalorian, and saga-defining. All right. And, and wow. right, right before we get to number one, Steve, I'm also going to have honorable mentions, because that's yep. the kind of thing that we do. And after yes. number nine, I'm going to insult most of our listeners. Okay, so number 10 is droids, Steve. And I, I, okay. This is going to be a pretty quick one. All right. I think the number 10 winner is R2-D2. Okay, yeah. Um, because he made an appearance in the last episode, um, that is the most we have seen R2-D2 do since 2005. Um, <laughs> I, I don't... I mean, Kathleen Kennedy, you know, may she rot in hell before she even dies for the horrible <laughs> thing that she's done to all these Star Wars fans by giving them... Oh. You know, do you know that she's responsible for everything that I don't like, but not responsible for anything that I do like? It's, it's uh, true. Uh, see, see, she's I like a baseball going... coach. <laughs> uh, I thought going into this episode that you were going to have to calm me down, but I don't know. We might just have to <laughs> calm each other down. Yeah. Okay. So, but still, it's nice to see R two D two talking to to Grogu. Uh, it was. It's it's nice to have like really integrated into like the story and and in my opinion that's, that was yeah. just as meaningful as seeing Luke but we're we'll probably get to Luke some point on this list yeah um, and then the the number 2 the number 10 loser is a tie between C3PO and IG88 <laughs> so okay. C3PO was not with R2D2 why not yeah right they they were probably chilling at this point right yeah, but I mean, if he's riding the X-wing, they're off on their own. It, it's it's that Luke yeah. R two bond. I, I, yeah, and but, on that R two yeah. thing, yes. yeah, I think the fact that it, I think if it was three PO, that whenever like that Rogue One moment, just it gets it just kills me every time. So <laughs> You're this still is the on opposite that of that. Yeah. I'm still on it, man. I, I'm this is yeah, no, but this this like you said, it it had it had some story sense to it. It wasn't just right. they were randomly on the Star Destroyer together. Right. So C three PO is a loser because yeah. there's just another protocol droid who's a teacher. So once again, just kind of a an un, you know it makes him seem less special. Yeah. Uh, and then IG eighty eight, the IG eleven character, you know, everyone else, you know, I, uh, I don't know. He's just a little statue in the back. I thought maybe they could have resuscitated him. I know he's melted in lava, but that shouldn't really matter. So, <laughs> anyways, All okay. Right. So uh, number eight, Steve bartenders. Okay. I think the loser here. It's very tied into the winner. So in the last season, we had EV-99 as a bartender, which mm -hmm. was kind of a cool thing. Yep. But now we have the weak way, who right. is a bartender. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting question. Like, if we're, if the show is so great and interesting because it's a couple of kids just playing with their action figures and filming it, right? Which is... <laughs> Truly one of the great things about the show, and truly the most annoying thing whenever any nerdlinger says it. Uh, yes, you know, yes. Like, if, you're, if you're having fun with your action figures and you're setting them up, uh, I think that the Weequay was a more interesting character. I like having a Weequay doing something else that isn't fighting, uh, and I like seeing him there. And then the fact that in the Bill Burr episode... They didn't use Weequay as the, the skiff attackers, you know, that yeah. the, the Weequay species is a little bit more enlarged, a little bit more interesting, and, and EV-99 was outshined as the Mandalorian bartender. What do you think about hot take, Steve? <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> um, no, I, I like the... It's funny, I mean, they've been doing this for a while, but giving those, those aliens just regular kind of just English-speaking voices and roles, it's, I, I think that's... 
I think that's kind of fun to see that in live action. So, I mean, that guy, it made sense to me. Right. And uh, actually, Bill Cable asks Ron, in the post-credit sequence of episode 16, we hear Bib Fortuna call his guard Weequay, but Weequay is a species, not a name. Was this a mistake by the scriptwriters, or did Bib just call him out, like if you say, hey, Wookiee, to Chewbacca? <laughs> Ron's response was, his actual name is Jerome, and if you were a real fan who reads the comics, you would know that. So there you go. It's, it's interesting because that's the uh, the Weequay, who's a bartender, was just called a Weequay, and the Weequay at the end of the last episode was also just called Weequay. So there you go. Yes. All right, let's go to Fish Aliens, Steve. How do you think this is going to break down for me? Who, who wins and who loses as far as the Fish Aliens go? Well, see, it's the thing. I, the point I was thinking about with this is that I had a hard time coming up with a list of, of losers based on that point that you made that. They're basically just trying to fit in three or four vintage characters or toys into every episode. Right. So I, I don't know. When it came to that, that episode, I thought they were both winners. But I'm curious to see which one you thought was which. Admiral Akbar's a loser, <laughs> uh, because this is why. And the reason that Squidhead is a is a winner. Yeah. Um, and Admiral Akbar's a loser is that. The Mon Cal species, right? The Admiral Akbar species. Mm-hmm. First of all, they used to fit into a kind of a lore, especially with the Clone Wars, of being a sort of more sophisticated species. Now they right. just turn into like weird little J. Crew wearing weirdos who are like <laughs> alongside the Weequay. So I mean, yeah. alongside the the Squidheads, the Quarns. Right. So like, it sort of breaks down that that like you think of the Mon Cal as being this sophisticated. They're the admirals, they're not the grunts. And so right. Admiral Akbar doesn't get anything for a bunch of, of Mon Cal wearing uh, sweaters looking like extras <laughs> in a Bonnie Vera video. You know what I mean? Like, this, the, there's, you can't take your Admiral Akbar figure and play with it in the Mandalorian sense. <laughs> However, the squid heads oh, are yeah. great because they're complete jerks. They yeah. almost get Baby Yoda killed, Grogu right. killed. Um, I, let me tell you the story about the Grogu thing. We, we were watching it with my daughter for the first time, and she got really excited when they said its name, but then she didn't really catch what it was, <laughs> but that didn't deter her. So she's like, right. oh, oh my God, they just said his name. It's Gorot, Gornu. Oh my God, they just said his name. I can't believe it's Grognu, Gorgorian. Grindelwald. Anyways, so the fact that the squid heads were speaking, they looked a little bit like those Davy Jones aliens. In, a little in, uh, bit. In uh, in uh, Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. But still, I, I, uh, yes. the pirate voices. I think that matches that that tracks pretty well. Yeah, um, yeah they they were great, uh, and they are they're complete a holes. That's what they are. Right, and that's what they're supposed to be. And and having the the Admiral Akbar species there, I thought they were losers, just complete, <laughs> total losers. If you collect Admiral Akbar, your collection just went down in value because of Mandalorian. The sweaters, uh, man. <laughs> yes, I would blame Kathleen Kennedy on that. And if yes. you're Squidhead and your collection goes up, I would thank Dave Filoni. Right. Right. <laughs> All right, Steve. So I, that's uh, that's number eight. Um, speaking okay. of things that piss people off, uh, can we talk about Ahsoka for a second? <laughs> sure. There's something going on, Steve. <laughs> Did you know that? Uh, Are you cool I, with all the Ahsoka fandom? Is is it? I I don't know. It, it's uh, I guess it's it's odd in a now, way. I have that... a lot of like very good friends who are Ahsoka fanboys. So well. It's just, I, I can't get into it because you're introduced to the character when she's 13. And so to me, right. she's 13. And it's yeah. not always overtly sexual, but like maybe one in every 50 posts about how great Ahsoka is. There's like the one of her like in a bra or something. And I, I, it's something about it just doesn't quite, quite, I mean, it's one of my favorite characters. I mean, I love, I loved Ahsoka from the first movie. Like I knew what they were doing with Ahsoka. She's great, you know? Um, but anyways, I, I've been working on naming them. I named them the National Association of Man Boys Who Love Ahsoka. Um, <laughs> or Nambla for short. <laughs> That's what I... Uh... Oh. Okay. I said I'd piss everybody off, Steve. 
that that was that was ooh. yeah ooh, i don't know I, I guess i just see more of the 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 like modern toy related posts to ahsoka and it seems this seems very popular but i don't know i'm not you're 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 much more Facebook savvy than I am these days. Yeah. You you know what's going on. You know what's going on in people's brains better than I do. No, I mean she she has the the fat effect. Like people will spend yeah ten premium times yeah for an Ahsoka piece than they would you know Obi Wan or maybe it's because like that's the main way that she I don't know. I mean the same thing happened with Harley Quinn in Batman. Uh, it, uh, there's okay. just this weird. Oh my God, Steve, this is going to get Gargan Largan. But there's just a weird sort of like, like what do male fans accept as female involvement in their, in the things that they perceive themselves of owning, right? Mm. Of the properties mm. that they own. Yeah. So like Harley Quinn and Ahsoka somehow hit just the right note for male collectors of being like, sexy but not being about being sexy and like strong but not actually about like being you know captain marvel in your face feminist strong by the way captain marvel is one of the worst movies of all time i'm a feminist i can say that <laughs> movie is absolute garbage um right but like i, I don't know so there's something to that and then mm. it all just gets you know wrapped up and just it's all Catherine kennedy's fault okay right right yep Am I going too fast, Steve? Am I uh, am I too excited by this video thing here? <laughs> I think you're okay. We we got a little ways to go. You're you're gonna you're gonna get into the groove here. It's true. Okay, so we we uh, we just had the the droids, the bartenders, the fish aliens, and now the ships. Oh yeah. Wait. Hold on. Wait. I got a droid yes. addendum. What about eighty okay. eight? Okay, I, I don't always know the difference between eighty eight and, and ninety nine. <laughs> Did I mean eighty eight when I said ninety nine? No, no, you had that right. Uh, 99 was the bartender. It was, right. uh, he just makes a quick, it's one of those just blink and you'll miss it cameos in the, I think it was the Ahsoka episode. He just kind of walks by, but oh, really? they, they make a point of him just being the only character on screen, but it's one of those where it's just like, here he is. <laughs> Same huh. with uh, R5-D4 barbecuing the, the meat or whatever. Right. Um, or I, don't know, I guess it wasn't him, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Well, that's interesting, Steve. I did not. I did not see it. I, I guess if I did, that would make it into my honorable mention category, which we'll get to yeah. soon. Okay. So for ships, I think the winner is very clear, and this might even be higher than the no number seven winner. Uh, that has to be the troop transport. Uh, we, we knew that when it showed up in Rebels that it was more important, but the fact that they integrate it into the show, it's just becoming more and more canon, more and more important. Yeah. And and. I mean, I don't, I don't particular, I don't think Rebels is a particularly good show, um, but they did some things right, and I really like that they integrated that. I like the silliness of it, the fact that they're actually they're one step away from putting in mini rigs. You know? Yes, um, it, it's and, it's gonna happen, man. I, yes. I just know it. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, tr I'm trying to think like what could they do that would break down my cynicism. <laughs> I think if they had Bosk in a cap too. I, I would I would lose my cynicism. Whatever cynicism I have, like, however too cool I am, I, I would just I would like anyway. God, Dave Filoni saved my childhood. <laughs> John Favreau could do no wrong. <laughs> yeah, did, did you like the Lion King remake? What? All right. Um, which, by the way, was actually pretty good. All right. Um, I'm not, I'm, not caffe I'm, not, I'm not caffeinated, Steve. I'm just uh, excited to be doing the show. So yes. I would say the troop transport is definitely... That's what it's... What's it actually called? What's, I think what it's, yeah, called? Imperial Troop Transport. I think that's right. Yeah. Yep. And then Seven, the loser... This is just me, okay? I think X-Wing pilots and ships are losers. <laughs> what the hell are they doing to X-Wing pilots? It, like, you know, that's, like that's loser cops... It's that's kind of been there from the beginning, which is something that I think it's funny. Like I, some of those pilots in the original Star Wars, are, they're kind of they're kind of goofy, and they've they've just maintained that ever since. And I I, I don't know. I, I think I'm sure if you know you saw Thai pilots without their helmets on, they'd be pretty goofy too. But it's the fact that it's just it's just dudes, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't it's, know. it's the way that they're in the show. The way they're just like. Like neighborhood cops, like waiting behind a, 
a billboard to like yeah. pull over the the razor crest or whatever. Right. I, I don't right. know. Like the way they just show <laughs> up. Like to me, a lot of the X the X wing pilots. Yeah, they look goofy, but like they're pilots. They're like badass pilots. They're not you know Paul Blart space cop. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's that's the, that's the feeling that I get that they're turning okay. into Paul, and then the, you know one of the new shows that's coming out is going to be about Paul Blart Space Cop. So yes, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, let's get to um, Yehuda's question for Ron. Okay. All right. Yehuda asks Ron, "Do you think Moff Gideon will be back for season three? <laughs> to which Ron responds, "I hope so. Not sure what I'd do without more Moff Gilligan." <laughs> <laughs> so all you customizers out there all you swag makers uh, we need uh, Moff Gilligan and we need it now and please yes. find it with something Kivecast on there because uh, it is Steve's fault that Moff Gilligan exists although yeah. it is Ron's yeah, creation all my, all my fault <laughs> alright so we had Excellent. 10 uh, as far as winners 10 R2D2 Weekway Squidhead, Troop Transport. I would say the number six winner, this is especially true for vintage collecting, is the Imperial Commander. Yes, absolutely. I had him high on my, well, I guess on my winner's list, yeah. Because there's, there's a bunch of, there's like a bunch of just standard Imperial Commanders, like just guys who are like worried on a ship and right. kind of cowardly and afraid of the, the big guy. But then yeah. you have that whole... I just called the Bill Burr episode, Steve. I don't remember what number it is. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, the one with Bill yeah. Burr. Yeah. The one with Bill Burr. Yeah, in the jungle. Yes. Right. Yes. A space yeah. Bostonian. Um, right. And and it's it's like his whole scene where he's at the table and he's talking to Bill Burr's character. And it, it's just a really good scene. It really fleshes out like the the imperial set and i just i think it does a really good job for making that character and that because the thing is with all of these whenever it's a generic character it's good if you can pretend that the figure is that that's why admiral right. akbar loses yeah. so bad is you can't pretend admiral akbar is living on some water planet right, <laughs> right. but but any yeah. imperial commander can be that jerk uh talking to uh, bill burr yeah and, that, and that's the other thing i mean I think out of all the kind of background characters or they, the kind of bit parts in this season, the Imperial commanders, all of them were some of the best performances, whether it was that, that cat, that guy with that really big scene or, yeah. or like you were saying, the, the kind of cowardly guy piloting the ship in the, the, the Mandalorian attack episode, whichever one that was, every one of those guys was played really, really well. Maybe, you know, opposite of what you're saying about the X-Wing pilots where they're, eh, but uh, yeah, all the Imperial commanders, the, the casting, all that was was perfect. It's really weird doing this and videoing it, but not seeing my face. Like I don't know, <laughs> it's kind of kind of an odd thing. All right, I'd say the number six loser in the category of Imperial grunts, uh, okay. storm, stormtroopers. Mm, okay. It's, it's just, it feels a little too five hundred first, too cosplay at times. They're just sort of disposable bad guys, you know? Yeah. One thing um, I noticed, and they did this in the first season, too, is Stormtroopers stopped holding their guns a certain way in The Mandalorian. They just kind of run around with them in one hand, which is something that... I, I don't know. There was always something in the in the original trilogy, the way that they kind of presented themselves. And yeah, with the two sometimes, hands. Sometimes they get it right in this, but I feel like more often than not, they do look a little a little goofy. Um, yeah. yeah, that that's that's a, a really good point. That the way that they carry it isn't quite right, and I think I think Kathleen Kennedy is responsible for that <laughs> because she doesn't know how you're supposed to hold. She's a female, and females don't know how to run while holding guns. It's just history, Steve. It's just a biology. I hope you teach this to Eleanor when she grows up. It's just a biological thing. They don't know how to run around with guns, so that's that's why they can't do it. Okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I just, and I don't think that's the same for, uh, I don't think it's the same for like biker scouts. I still think they're pretty cool. I think biker scouts kind of make the stormtroopers seem less cool. I think the dark troopers seem really cool. There's just all these other great trooper action happening. And yeah. It's kind of like the, the X-Wing thing, just a little bit, a little bit demystified, a little too mm -hmm. demystified. Yeah. Yeah. Now my number five winner, you will never guess in a million years. 
we're now in ugly ass aliens. Ugly um, ass aliens. My number okay. five loser is a bunch. Okay. It's all of the Cantina aliens. <laughs> um, now let me let me tell you why. Um, first of all, Walrus Man is the only one that made its appearance anywhere in this show, right? Okay, I guess maybe there was a Greedo in the Jabba's Palace. I think Palace there was. Thing. Yeah, it I mean, might have been. There were old walrus mans who looked weird and they were scary and stupid, right? But in general, <laughs> this season did the thing where the first season they just hit you over the head with all the old aliens and all this and that. But here we get the, the Jedi aliens, but we're not really getting the Star Wars aliens. Instead, they made the world bigger and made more interesting aliens like Frog Lady, Steve. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Frog Lady is awesome and I bet they had to stop the the tendency to be like what if we had a hammerhead person come in here because we never see what <laughs> right, they're like right right, right. Um, and instead that you know they have the frog lady who's super awesome um, and more specifically I did rewatch the entire series for this episode um, yet I don't know the names of the episodes so there you go um, but yeah. was Doctor Mandible do you remember oh, Doctor Mandible Steve was this the, the giant bug man yes. Okay. It was playing yeah. cards. And, right. And that's right. a real case of where, you know, Filoni and, uh, and and Favreau would try to do something, you know, old school. And they did do something old school. They made a very impractical, weird-looking alien. But yeah. But it's not, not one that could be represented in toys. So, yeah. So I think yeah. that by making the world bigger, by making it a better show, uh, it kind of hurt the nostalgia for the Cantina aliens. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess out of all those, Hammerhead's the one that, that lost the biggest. Because you, you do see, I think, a Greedo guy at some point, like you said. Right. And there are Walrus men present. Right. But walrus I guess there's no Snaggletooth. Walrus men, so that's right. <laughs> there's no Snaggletooths. There's no, no. Walrus mans. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. Now, Steve, you are never going to guess my winner, number five, Ugly Ass Aliens. You are <laughs> never going to guess, Steve. You probably don't even no. think I know this character's name. Oh. Hmm. I actually think I probably misspelled it too now that I'm looking at it. Okay. Yeah, okay. Now now I, I was leaning towards one thing, but now I'm now I'm off. I don't know. Okay, what, just, what's, what's your guess? What's your guess, Steve? I was gonna go with, with Bib Fortuna, but that's <sighs> that's <laughs> No. Ugly ass alien Cleb Zelloc. Oh, or is it Zlelok? I don't know how Wait, you say his name. Hold on a second. What? Why so, am I saying Kleb Zlelok one is one of the winners from Mandalorian? Yeah. Season two? Why is that? Because the mining guild is wearing Kleb Zelloc oh, headgear. I haven't seen anybody first... mention this. Yeah, is that in the, the first, first episode. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the one with with Cobb Vanth. Right. Uh, yeah, and like they come in and they're wearing. Like straight ah, up, Kleb the... Zelloc, and you know, Kleb Zelloc was a miner, I believe, or he was in charge of a mining thing. So yeah. This this was very clearly going back. Now, okay, it's hard for the Kleb Zelloc market to go up because it's an <laughs> unproduced droid in Ewok. But still, when we look at all of the unproduced droids and Ewoks, it is my opinion that now that Kleb Zelloc's headgear has featured in the Mandalorian, that's going to yeah. put him up over other unproduced droids figures. Yeah. You know, like like if Admiral Screed made his way in here, don't you think that'd make a difference? Or if someone yeah. dressed like Admiral Screed made a difference? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or Bondo. Gotta get Bondo in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to try to think of the ones that I knew. I don't know if I know the names of the rest of them. <laughs> See, there's Gaff. Or is he No, yeah. There's Gaff and yeah. Bondo and Bungo and <laughs> Jerome. <laughs> That's gonna be a that's gonna be a fun era of the Kivecast whenever yes. we get there. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Jer okay, yeah, okay, that's, uh, yes. that's and, deep. And, and Jerome is the name of the Weequay now on the Kenner figure, just so we know that Ron has named that. That's yes. Okay. Now Steve, in the category of cool guys, winners and losers, you were okay. onto something. You were okay. onto something with the number four winner is Bib Fortuna. Um, I thought about this a lot because okay. in a way he's a loser because he gets shot right away but the <laughs> idea that he's alive and that he took over for Jabba is a totally believable thing it makes me excited I don't think that the Boba Fett show looks particularly good like I, it, 
it doesn't it doesn't excite me, right? They might pull it off. Uh, I totally believe that Favreau could pull it off, but I also know Kathleen Kennedy's there, so she might just come in and just, <laughs> you know, just ovary all over it. Um, <laughs> but but like, you know, I I love the idea of Bib Fortuna getting to be the major domo, becoming the guy who takes over, Richelieu yes. taking the crown, and obviously the nod of him having the vintage staff. The staff, right, right. I mean, yeah. that's. Uh, I know it's nerdy and I know it's fan service, but also shut up, I don't care. You know what I mean? Right. Because, yeah, no, that, that's one of those where I, I, yeah, I go with the shut up, I don't care. Because <laughs> why doesn't he have a staff? He can have a staff. Right. There's no I problem. I mean, that's, with that. yeah, it's a sign of leadership. Um, right. Yeah, and I, I like that, uh, that was Matthew Wood who played him, who played him in, in the prequels, I think. And yes. uh, he's he's got a great, you know, he's a sound guy, but he's got a great voice as well. Yes. So I think his, his performance there was, uh, it was excellent. <laughs> you, you know, I, I uh, it may not seem this way, but I try to stay out of, of political discussions on Facebook. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, I don't try to come, like, I don't try to, like, go super hard on my position, right? Like, yeah. I, I make yeah. points or I'll, like, contradict people when I think they're, you know, like, not being honest or intellectually honest. But I'm not, like, you know, the one exception was when uh, I think Matthew Wood liked something that I said that was slightly political. So I was all like, yeah. Because, <laughs> anyways, um, I, because I, you know, you'll see this, you know, when, when Eleanor grows up. When you get to brag to your kids about stuff, it's really fun. It's like, yeah, the guy who played General Grievous just liked my Facebook post. What's up? Okay. Yeah, that's so, awesome. <laughs> so that's my number four winner in the okay. made-up category of cool guys. Cool guys, okay. Now, who's going to lose as a cool guy, Steve? Hmm. Well, see, yeah, when I when I went into this, I didn't think I wouldn't have classified Bib Fortuna as a cool guy. So it's now shifting my my perspective <laughs> on what you might mean by that. Shift the paradigm, man. <laughs> it is. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Hmm. Well, cool okay, see, who is the coolest guy? Well, in terms of vintage. Yes. I mean, everyone's gonna say Fett, but no, Lando, Steve. Oh, that kind of... Okay, all yes. right, all right. Yeah, So, okay. I think Lando loses, and this is why. We have a TV show with a blowhard um, African-American character actor popular from the 70s. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, Kreef Cargo Pants is like... He fulfills... Like, it's not just that he's a, he's a cool black guy, because that's not like... His role isn't to be the same as Lando. It's no, the no, no. it's Carl Weathers and Billy D. Williams do you know did come from a similar time in Hollywood. They're both like very well known, but at the same time they don't like they have defining roles, but they're both sort of like over appreciated and underappreciated at the same time. Yeah. And they both just can chew a scene like nobody else. <laughs> and I feel like Lando kind of loses out because, like, that should be his role. Like, now the guy who was the bad guy is now the good guy, and he's helping to run a town. And it makes me feel like Lando's a little bit replaced. That even more than that, Billy D. Williams is a little bit replaced by uh, Carl Weathers. Mm, so yeah, I see. I see the angle there. Um, I mean, I guess maybe that'll change whenever this Lando TV series comes about. Um, that's that's a thing, right? They're they're gonna do a Lando show at some point. It sounds like so yeah, maybe that'll shift. I think they're a little bit stuck though because the actor who plays him, Glover, is like he's great. He's a great Lando, but he's also famously difficult to work with. So uh, I sort of what I imagine is they'll recast it, get someone not as good, and then and then blow mm, it. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it'll work out because the solo movie definitely definitely panned out for uh, for Lando. Except for the whole having sex with robots thing. <laughs> that was, well, that had Kathleen Kennedy written all over it. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> so, uh, I, I think it's now time for our final question uh, to Ron. Okay. I was tempted to just basically have everybody just bomb Ron with questions, but I didn't want to abuse his goodwill because, uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, Michael Hooper asks the question, Hey, Ron, what's up? 
I was wondering, in Season 2, Episode 6 of The Mandalorian, Fennec Shand reveals that she has a cybernetic in her, end of, in her abdomen. I was wondering if her entire trunk is mech. Like, is she mostly cybernetic with organic limbs? Or is it only her midsection that has medical enhancements? I know you're the go-to guy with these things. Thanks for your time. To which Ron responds, I refuse to acknowledge the existence of Fennec Shand, cybernetic or not. <laughs> So there's our final question for Ron. Uh, Excellent. Oh man. <laughs> he does he does have the best answers. Yeah. Gilligan. <laughs> now, uh, I'm looking here at my list and, and realizing it's sort of weird that I have ugly aliens uh, after having ugly ass aliens. I don't know what the difference is between <laughs> ugly ass aliens and ugly uh, aliens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I would say the loser for ugly aliens. Steve the Gamorrean guards look terrible. Okay, I was wondering where you were going to fall on them. Um, they they look odd, for sure. Wait, I, I have to plug um, in my thing. Wait, wait, you uh, sing for a second. I don't know about but, singing, but... Um, oh, crap. Uh-oh. Ah! Son of a... Ah. <laughs> okay, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. You all right there? Are you singing, Steve? Are you okay? Okay. Okay. There we go. Professional. Okay, Steve, were you singing? Uh, I wouldn't clarify this singing, no. No. So, yeah, I think the Gamorrean Guards looked terrible. And I get that they were trying to go for something, like, different. And, like, oh, what if they look different? But Mm -hmm. the term I want to use is Yodamit. So... (laughs) You remember episode one when they had the the puppet? Yeah. The the puppet Yoda and it just looked like a baseball mitt? (laughs) I think think that the Mandalorian crew gets way too much credit for how good they are at recreating stuff. Like, (laughs) the the Gamorrean guards just look silly to me. Yeah, I think where, where it fell apart for me was when they showed the one in Jabba's palace. Because that one looked basically just like the the kind of scrawny guys that were fighting at the beginning, and that's where it, it fell. Like I, I could buy into it if if those guys in the boxing match at the beginning were a totally different, you know, line of 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 pig, you know, Gamorrean guards that are just built differently. I I can buy that. But once they just showed the same guy in the same old suit, but that kind of scrawny looking, and yeah. I guess Bib Fortuna is eating eating all their food, but <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. I just... I don't yeah. Know. It, like I was trying to imagine if I was a Gamorrean guard collector, and I saw that, I'd be it's, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is this is it, great. I'm so it reminded happy. me of um the the kind of odd looking Wookie in Solo. What did you think about that? Like, does that fall into that category for a you? Or bit, does that? Yeah. 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 I mean, Chewbacca looks so good that it didn't really matter. Right. But yeah. Right. Like, like the way it's like not quite there. It's not quite the way it looks and I, mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. but to the contrary Steve the number three winner and this was almost my number one winner mm. is Tusken Raider yeah yeah oh. the 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 because this is what it did it did things that okay also the, the Gaderfi stick the fact that Boba Fett used it so well mm-hmm. that was awesome mm-hmm. that was evocative you know yeah. talking about playing with toys and accessories and the idea of giving Boba Fett the Gaderfi stick to knock out stormtroopers that's that's the show at its goofy best, right? Yes. But yeah. But what I loved is that they built on what Lucas did with episode two, because what Lucas did with episode two was super. It was really cool having the the Tusken Raiders and really making the parallels with the Comanche and in old John Ford movies, very yep. concrete and and just having them with the the males and the females and the dogs and everything. And then this took it and made it go further and had yep. the language and had them with the, with, uh, with sign language. It was just really, really great. And I, yeah. I loved that they worked with them. And I, I yeah. You yeah, it's one of, those, one of those things, like, I feel like, like you're saying with the Gamorrean guards coming across, it's just not quite right. There are a couple of shots of Tusken Raiders where I feel like in the prequels, they looked goofier than they did here. They actually, it mm-hmm. looks truly authentic and i don't know if that's just the way that they they got them to ride on the banthas everything looked right it looked right. just just right uh, which is something that i feel like with those iconic characters you can easily go astray with 
Um, like with right. the stormtroopers or whatever, it can go off the rails. And with the the sand people, it was spot on. Yeah, yeah, it was just very exciting. Like you know, I have a couple carded Tuscan Raiders, and when I see them, like I just I was happy, and that's that's a sign that you know that the show <laughs> works there. Yes. Now, Steve, my number two is one of these ones where it's the winner and the loser at the same time. Okay. All right. So, uh, I mean. It's Boba Fett. So, yeah. I think it's all how things age. Now, first mm-hmm. of all, the Slave One is unequivocally a winner. It's awesome mm-hmm. seeing how it works. Uh, it's very smart to blow up the far superior ship of the Razor Crest so that the so that the the Slave One can exist. But it's cool yeah. that they showed how it actually worked. Um, and as a prequel nerd the fact that they used the seismic charge sound um you know that got me the way the cap 2 got me will mm-hmm. get me you know i was we'll, so we'll happy get you. <laughs> just anytime yeah. they they acknowledge the prequels uh, in a meaningful way i love it right so that's yeah. great yeah. and and i would say that the 12 inch boba fett is unequivocally helped right absolutely absolutely yep what do you the think paints, the, the paint scheme right because they, it's got that really clean and uh you know it's got a unique color scheme um, that is very reminiscent to me of what what they did when they when they repainted his his armor in this. It was um, see, I, yeah. I was thinking just because the viewfinder. Oh, okay. Because because you see how it works. Yeah, but, yeah. But Steve, why, why do I why would I possibly think that Boba Fett could lose the Mandalorian? <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's. I feel like we talked about this in the first season too. Just the fact that the Mandalorian is basically kind of repurposed the old Boba Fett lore, and right, and that's obviously changed now. Things are way different. But I don't know what 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 is it that that draws you back here? It's like if there's one thing Episode Seven has taught us, it's be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get it, wait. Just wait, because you're going to hate it. You are going to hate it so much. You're going to have blood coming out of your eyeballs. <laughs> you're going to hate that they gave you what you wanted so much you could snap a pencil. Uh... Never, ever give a Star Wars fan what they want. Ever. The second that you do, they will shower you with praise and tell you that this is the greatest thing since Empire Strikes Back. And then the second that those french fries are at the bottom of the bag and they're a little <laughs> cold, they're going to throw them out the car and say, this is garbage. French fries used to be better. I should have went to Wendy's. <laughs> I kind of get that feeling here. Where, yeah. like, yeah, Boba Fett's totally awesome. And I love that they, they stuck with the idea of having it be Tamura Morrison. I think that's great. I think that's gutsy. Um, but, like... The paint job is stupid. It looks terrible. Just no one doesn't think it looks terrible. We all know it looks terrible. We looked at it and said, why did he repaint his helmet so that it looks bad? I wouldn't want a toy to look like that. I don't want Boba Fett to... But no one said anything, Steve. Nobody Uh, said anything because we're not at episode seven yet. No. Not at the point yet where they go, did you know it's basically just a reboot of episode four? We're not at that point yet. No. But that's We're going to get there. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry, Steve. My Bismarcky alarm clock just went off. I have to go across the room to turn it off. (laughs) One second. You might think I'm joking. No, I I can hear it. It truly is a Bismarcky. This is definitely the weirdest thing we've ever had on the show. How, how this how, okay. Hopefully that wasn't just a snooze. So yeah, like yeah. we all just have to admit, it looked bad, right? Am I wrong, Steve? Does anybody think that looked good? That the helmet when he painted it? I don't know. I, I guess I. This is where I where I land on it. I I was always kind of indifferent about Boba Fett, and then you know, especially with. To me, what what this whole thing with Tamara Morrison, I, I'm gonna pivot back to that for a second. I it just, I really didn't like the way that he was dubbed over in in the special editions or whatever. But this, his performance in this is just, it's completely 
different. It's it's not flat. It's interesting. He does great. It just it, I don't know. To me, it was a little bit of a redeeming thing overall for for Fett. It made it it made him more interesting for me than than he had been. I think up until this point. But in terms of the armor, I just don't care that much. I think it's back to like <laughs> it doesn't really bother me. Um, right. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I I can see though what you're saying. I could see. I could see, uh, yeah, the fries getting stale in a little bit here. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, is that I agree that what they're doing is they're potentially making Boba Fett a very interesting character. But the reason that everybody loves Boba Fett is that he looks cool, he doesn't talk, you don't know what's up with him. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Lucas messed with that with episode two. I think he did it well because it's just kind of a weird thing, just sort of like it's, out of it's... out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but but in this case. I don't know. And I saw a lot of people fat shaming Tamora Morrison. Mm. My problem isn't that he's fat. It's that, it, it, like, it's something is Yoda mitt about Boba Fett. Like, <laughs> and they, I think that they made Cobb Vanth look like such a dork wearing the costume to prepare you for the fact that it's not going to look right on, <laughs> on Tamora Morrison, right? Because he just looks completely ridiculous. So, like, we have two people wearing the Boba Fett armor. And neither of them look like Boba Fett. And yeah. then they repaint it and it looks bad. But at the same time, it's a very interesting story. And we, I love seeing Tamora Morrison. And I think it could be great. I think time will tell whether or not this was a winner or a loser. Yeah. Like, if that show doesn't nail it, people are just going to go, you know, I always kind of thought they, they, they messed it up. I mean, it's yeah. true. I went on Facebook three minutes after the episode aired and said what happened at the very end. Um, but, um, and I said it was the greatest thing ever and, and I finally can forgive St uh, Star Wars for The Last Jedi and um, Kathleen yeah. Kennedy somehow managed to not mess it up um, you know but I, I always kind of knew that so I, I don't know um, and amazingly enough Steve for the number one winner and loser we might have a similar thing but let's get to our honorable mm. mentions first Steve yeah let's do that first yeah okay <clears throat> Okay, I have uh, one, two, three, four, five uh, in each category, not grouped together. Okay. All right. Yoda winner? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I have him on there. Because he didn't lose, right? Like, he wasn't yeah. less special. They didn't really talk about him. His connection to Ahsoka and the Ahsoka episode was good. But I, I don't really want to put him on the list because he didn't, like, win big. Right. right. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. He would have been on my honorable mentions. I'd yep. say a mild loser is Jawa and Sandcrawler because um, they're in it again, but they weren't as featured as they were in the first season. You know, <sighs> you know I, and they were yeah. outshined by the Tuscans. What do you think? So, yeah, they, they get they got the last season. Tuscans got this season. Yeah. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe next season it'll all be Snaggleteeth. You never know. Yes. I'd say Reese is kind of a winner just just seeing him again in Jabba's palace. Oh that's, right, yeah, that's kind of nice because I don't feel like we've really seen Reese very much. Not too um, much. A soft loser, I'd say, is Death Star Droid. Just it, it seems like that's the new thing they just kind of like pop in. To he be like, he replaced Look. Power Power Droid for this one, and that's that's kind of what happened with Eight D Eight also. But right. yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that uh, R Five D Four, the Sedaris Droid, um, mm -hmm. is a soft winner. Uh, just just seeing it again, but I mean, it, it it's felt kind of like a throwaway thing. I'd say Tie Fighter Pilot and Tie Fighter are kind of losers as well. Just I, they were just on so briefly, and then the Tie Fighters that you see are like different than the ones that we associate with vintage Tie Fighters. Right, right. So, so I feel like they kind of lose in a similar way. I think ATATs lost because all you see is the repurposed ATATs, which is okay, but like you can't play with that on the toy. It kind of right, devalues right. the toy. I think. What about um? What about Imperial Gunner? Oh, was there an Imperial Gunner in this? Yeah, he was in the Bill Burr episode, sitting on a, a gun similar to the one on the Death Star playset. Uh, it's only it's only in there for a couple seconds, but yeah, there were a couple okay. of those dudes in there. Then I, I would say that's a winner. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no, definitely anything like that. Imperial Shuttle, definitely yep. winner. Um, yep. That almost made it onto the list. Yeah. Um, and then my my final winners and losers are are. One's going to start a fight, and the other is going to cause you to, to roll your eyes. Um, I think prequel toys are a winner. Okay. <laughs> Just pit droids, pod racers, Tuscan dogs. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I feel especially this growing um, prototype market 
for prequel toys. I think I think you could definitely see pit droids and pod racers just kind of going up a little bit just because they're here. Yeah. No, I agree. Yep. And then the the another uh, losers, uh, John Williams. Okay, let's move on. To... Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you I... you can. He, you, I was gonna say like. like Ludwig Gorenson, just because he is fantastic doesn't mean John Williams is a loser. Okay, the reason that John Williams is a loser, and you're the one who said it, not me. Uh, The reason that John Williams is a loser is that it used to be that Star Wars soundtracks had two modes. John Williams, or dear God, I hope someone confuses me for John Williams. I feel like Ludwig Göransson is not trying to sound like John Williams. I no. don't feel like there's hardly any times where he's trying to make Star Wars-like music. Yep. Yet, the music is perfect for Star Wars. It doesn't feel like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Um, so it's not so much that John Williams is a loser, but it's um, his mode of conducting... You know, like even with with Clone Wars, I always felt like like when they were moving away from it, they were still trying to do it. They were still yes. always trying to stay in that mode. So they that's were. why I would say John Williams is a loser. Okay, I, I I'll accept. But <laughs> okay, no, just because I I love the score for these shows that much. I mean, it really does. He's made it his own. I think. Yeah, um, it, it's fantastic. It, it's spectacular. All right, now now we can get to the number one saga defining characters. One of them's a winner. One of them's a loser. Steve, for the winner, it could have been the loser. I think you know who it is. I think you know because I intentionally left this here because I know you have the most to say about it. Who is that, Steve? <sighs> Luke. Yes, Luke uh... Jedi. Luke Jedi, like yeah. The third of four, of four, like we've done like six of these, and Luke Jedi's been number one for many of them. Yes, yeah. The the moment where you see the green lightsaber, um, is up there for me with some of the greatest Star Wars watching moments ever. Right, like moments where I see them and I cannot contain myself, and I just enjoy myself so much. It's up there with the first time I saw Yoda with a lightsaber at mm. Man's Chinese Theater in 2002. And I understand <laughs> that everyone is episode seven that, and they're like, this is so lame. The first time that <laughs> happened, I, I, I was standing up and screaming. It was that exciting. Uh, I had that feeling here. It yeah. is really awesome to see Luke just tear through the droids. It makes you realize, oh, they only built up these droids so that Luke could kill somebody in a way that made you happy. Um, yeah, it was totally, totally awesome. And then, and then what, Steve? <laughs> well, so I, I'm with you up until the point where we get inside the the room. Basically, I, I, I'll say I've, I've never been a supporter of the Vader hallway massacre scene or Leia at the end of Rogue One. So okay. initially. I, I was not in, into the end of the show at all. It was really, it really, I think I sent you a couple of panicked and enraged text messages yes. afterwards. Uncharacteristically I, angry, Stephen. I, I've calmed down. I've calmed down since then. But I, it just, I think Luke Jedi as a figure, as a character, yeah, I, I completely think he wins. But I think what makes it tough to swallow is just the rhetoric around all of it. Um, yes. A, the, the rhetoric about, you know, this is, you know, this completely disqualifies The Last Jedi or this or that, all that kind of noise. I, I'm right. trying to get better about tuning that out. And then the second part of it well, is... it doesn't help that Mark Hamill himself I know. constantly says I, stuff I was, that can be misunderstood as I condemning was, Last Jedi. Because he isn't I, condemning it. He's just like, he had fun doing that. that but yeah. It is the most frustrating thing in the it whole is. world when it people... Is, it, treat mark hamill like he's a screenwriter yeah that when that happened i think oh i got so bummed out and then not not for what he said but just for what i knew what would result you know and that's right. it's the same thing about watching this episode the first time um the whole um also the whole deep fake de-aging no matter what context it is it just i i can't handle it i find it really grotesque and it just always distracts me, even when it's done better than this. Um, so do, do you know what's one reason you might think that it wasn't that good in this case? 
Uh, it's because it was terrible. It looks garbage. It's horrible. You you might as well be playing uh, Shadows of the Empire on N64. It looks yeah. terrible. It doesn't yeah. look like Mark Hamill even a little bit. It looks like garbage. And yeah. you want to talk about an episode seven moment, Steve. Everyone is sitting there and they're just creaming their Jordashes about how awesome it is and how great it is. And they're all just saying, it looks good. No, it looks good. It looks yeah, good. And they, and they feel that in the back of their head, Steve. They feel that little bit of cognitive dissonance, that little bit of magical thinking that's just creeping into their mind. That's telling them 2021 is going to be better than 2020. And also, another thing about that is that, you know what? This does look good. This doesn't look weird. This doesn't make me really, really, really unhappy and unsettled in a very, very, very deep way. I'm not watching Polar Express. I'm not watching Polar Express. Yes, you are. You're watching yeah. now. Narratively, it was a great moment. Oh uh, yeah. I, 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 I was able. I was moved enough that I, I did cry, even though a bunch of emotionally stunted, you know, jerkwads are saying the same thing. Or, Can you believe I cried? But yes, it was very moving. Yeah. It was a great scene. Narratively, it worked perfectly to have Grogu go with Luke. I love yeah. that idea. It's awesome. I but, do too. But it looked terrible. And we just yeah. need to say it. We just need but, to say, hey, that was a great episode. That was a great moment. And, and then but, there was a solution. Yes. There was a solution. And I've been thinking about this <laughs> ever since, basically. And, okay. and that's if they had just gone, I mean, Luke in this episode is basically Nanny from the Muppet Babies, right? <laughs> okay. All right, so, explain more, Steve. Okay, so I don't know if anyone didn't grow up in the late 80s watching the Muppet Babies cartoon. The Muppet Babies were all taken care of by this kind of disambi you know, disambiguated voice that had legs. It was a nanny. You never saw her face. She was always there kind of watching over them. And when you see... Baby Yoda coming up to Luke's feet, where they deliberately <laughs> crop his horrible, horrible head out of the picture. All I could think of was Muppet Babies and Nanny. So if you just you get you can have all the badassery, you can have all that, you can have them come into the room. There's ways that they could have done this where they didn't have to just, you know, uh, yeah. I don't know. I it just the the funny thing was, Steve, you sent me that you know this deserves the Jeff Goldblum treatment. Uh, they were so busy thinking about whether or not they could, they didn't think about whether or not they should. I would say they were so busy ignoring that they couldn't, <laughs> that they didn't yeah. think about if they should. It just doesn't yeah, work. that's more and, accurate. It's more accurate, yeah. And, and I'm not upset the way that they did it because I like having it acted. Hopefully they will George Lucas it in the future and make it look better um, <laughs> because the technology is only going to get better, right? So hopefully yeah. that, that will work. I guess that, that is the weird thing because it's been done in other things a lot more convincingly it's still very distracting but for whatever reason the twi like like these two times i've done it with star wars it's just like ah <laughs> yeah it's not it's not right but um yeah i don't know i like you i i think what really the loop part of it was exciting up until that point and then when i just like cut that out narratively it's very moving but then really it's just it's to me i just don't even think about luke i just i just think of Ludwig Göransson that puppet and Pedro Pascal, like that, that right. is it. That's the show. And so it was kind of, you know, it's sad that that, I don't know, I wasn't quite ready maybe for that to, yeah, to yeah, end. To, to, to eclipse the, yeah, also kind of the, the moment was a little bit overshadowed, the meaningful moment of, of the Mandalorian and, yeah, and that's, learning from each other and moving on. Yeah. That, that's, that's my biggest concern whenever they do these things to, to please everyone right in the moment. Right. It's, not that it's necessarily aside from the, the face poorly done it's well done and 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 all that but it does it does kind of overshadow things a bit so never I, give I just, a star wars fan what they want steve no I just hate you no. <laughs> yeah and also never not give a star wars fan what they want you're really kind of stuck with this whole we thing. just we just lose no matter what sky yeah. we all we all lose I don't think there's going to be any more Moff Gilligan. So that then leads us, Steve, to what saga-defining character definitively lost season two of The Mandalorian? What, what saga-defining character? Power droid. <laughs> the one thing ever since Kathleen, middle name probably K. Kennedy, because she's almost as bad. She's worse than the KKK. The only thing that's been consistent about the Kathleen... Kennedy clan era of Star Wars <laughs> is that the power droid is in everything and it gets a yeah. little gonk, 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 gonk. And yeah. it was becoming a thing where it was like Stan Lee, 
right? Like, you know, I don't I don't like seeing Stanley in all the Marvel movies, but I am happy that it happens. Like every time it takes me out of the story, but every time it's a little reminder. And Power Droid is that little like, oh, it's in everything. It just always makes its way into everything. But it wasn't, as far as I can tell, anywhere in Mandalorian season two. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I no. think you're right. Yeah. So that's the saga-defining character <laughs> who lost season two. So wow, uh, that, very was a, good. that was a whirlwind trip. It was season two. Did we miss anything yeah. that? Uh... <sighs> I'm trying to think of it. I'm going back through my list. I don't. I think we ended up hitting everything. Um, oh, you know, one thing. This is kind of a. I, I went back to check. This is on a, a maybe an honorable mention. Winners is uh, the Ralph McQuarrie portfolios. Those vintage things okay. of uh, of prints. Yeah. I thought there was one of the, that crazy spider. It turns out he wasn't included in that. But it's it seems like, I mean, obviously they've been doing this. Kathleen Kennedy's been doing this since the beginning. Right. Uh, you know, getting the the McQuarrie unused stuff in there and, well, and making it real. Sometimes it's Filoni who does it. Like when I right. think it's really yeah, yeah. great, um, like the spider. Right. Other times right. it's, Other it's times... overdone. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I thought of that. I, that. That was, and then you mentioned the dark trooper thing, but um, I do kind of like that they are, they're tapping in some of that weird stuff from the dark times every now and then. Yeah. Um, in a, in a, a like really well executed way. Like I thought, they they could have made those really really goofy, um, but they were they were very menacing, and I, I I thought they were they were executed really well. But um, what but, else? I think. But on, on on the whole, Steve, did you did you like it? Are you still on the Mandalorian train? Yeah, I I, I really enjoy it. I I think I just get annoyed with <laughs> with all the discussion about it, so I'm trying yeah. to to just ignore that and just watch the show and and enjoy it. So. My, my uh, personal favorite thing about the show now is the spoiler discussion, <laughs> because, <laughs> like you know, it comes out at at uh, three o'clock East Coast right. time, right, 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 on Thursday, yeah. you know, Friday morning, and so yeah. I just don't look at Facebook until until I watch the episode, and if it's mm-hmm. like two days, then I'm just not on Facebook for two days. Yeah, and if I go on Facebook. Good, uh... The first thing I see is a picture of Luke Skywalker killing a, a, a Death Star droid. And I just go, <laughs> oh, my bad. Ah, I knew that was going to happen. Ah. You know, because yeah. like, cause that's what's just going to happen. And it, I, is. it is just now so funny how angry people get at this completely predictable thing. People pretending like there's some kind of code that's being broken. And how can people <laughs> not know? Um, I've seen people like... I've seen sp- people who spoiled things for me scream at other people for spoiling. It's it's uh, it's sort of like it's sort of like the way like you know the people who get most upset at getting cut off in in traffic are the people who cut off other people. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like I don't get spoiled because I look out, and if I get spoiled, I go, "Damn it!" You know. <laughs> but as I always say, good art can't be spoiled. So grow up, children. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's it's good it's good stuff i i um you know i am i don't know i'm yeah a little concerned about where things go from here just not just for that show but just like you've been talking about the the kind of oversaturation and, and marvelization of everything i don't know what that means yet um but I, I like that the Mandalorian really was its own thing for at least a couple of years here the weird uh, thing about the marvelization is that part of the reason that marvel was so successful was that it didn't have the rights to all the good characters in the beginning. Right, 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 right. So it couldn't do X-Men and it couldn't do Spider-Man. So, like, wait, they're making an Ant-Man movie? Like, they had to really figure out how to do that. Yeah, Someone should tell Disney that they actually own all the Star Wars characters. (laughs) So you don't have to do a Cassian Andor movie. You don't have to do a movie about the dorks and the X-Wings. Like, there's kind of a, a weird vibe where, like, all the stuff they're choosing, okay, Boba Fett, that's fine, but you know, m- maybe throw out a Vader show, or a Emperor show, or a Luke and Grogu show, or yeah, no, no, <laughs> no Luke and Grogu, no, unless it's unless it's Muppet Baby style and you only see his feet, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I mean, know. 
but maybe that's the better way to go because there's less I, expectations because the casting Andor show is probably going to be great. I mean, I, this, is, it, this is yeah, this is the lesson I think I've learned through all this is that a lot of these projects when they were announced, I had, you know, a long embedded skepticism. Um, I was skeptical about a show about a Mandalorian before it came out. Yeah. I was skeptical about Solo. I, I and they've they've generally not let me down too much with all the stuff that they're creating. So I have to just like remember that and just not think about it too much but i, I think people get a little uh, yeah they're, they're episode sevening a lot of things <laughs> as yes. we go on here so i, I am i'm weary of that uh, as we keep going here but I, I don't know i'm gonna enjoy i'm just gonna enjoy it let's let's i don't know and yeah and, let's listen and all of it is great for vintage collecting yeah as long as star wars stays relevant it doesn't matter where it is it's great you are not collect as long as it's relevant. You are collecting Batman. You are not collecting Wizard of Oz. That's the example I always give. But if you're a Wizard of Oz collector, you, you're just waiting for everybody to die, right? <laughs> right? Because everyone's just gonna die, and you'll be able to pick up Wizard of Oz memorabilia for pennies on the dollar, right? But as long as there's good Star Wars stuff, we're not gonna be in that position. So no, no, yeah. Well, this right, has been so awesome. <laughs> it has been awesome. I have no idea. I'm going to look at the video now, see how it's been working out. God right. damn, this is a bad haircut. It's just, I feel bad because my wife gave me a haircut. She gave me great haircuts the last three times. It's actually not a bad haircut. It's just this little line right here. <laughs> I don't know if you see that. But... Yeah. Uh, well, right, it'll, cool. you'll, you'll recover. You'll recover. I'll recover. <laughs> not too vain about my hair. Okay. Well, uh, we will uh, next episode, Steve. There's two things I want to do. Yeah. I want to talk to Ron about his amazing 1977 blog log. Yes. Three things I want to do. I want to put a pressure uh, Mark Catley to finish his New Zealand article and do a blog log about that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I can't even say this out loud, but I have another idea for a really oh, no. fun thing. There would be a crossover with another podcast. Okay. Some, with somebody who I kind of insulted on this podcast, so uh, hopefully, hopefully he won't mind. Um, okay. So there you go. <laughs> I'll I'll be ready for that the, the day we do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's when I'm gonna find out. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Well, in that case, I'm gonna figure out how to hit stop on this recording. Um, hit stop recording. Uh, oh, wampa wampa. Adios.